This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 167. We find the no in the numbers, so we're looking for the no. Why shouldn't we do this deal? But then once the numbers make sense, once it fits our models, then we do everything we can to find the yes. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's up, man? Hey, not much. Haven't jumped on any planes this week, so I'm still here. No, that's that's good. That's good. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, how are you doing? Always see your your uh, smiling, you know, smiling, beautiful, face. lovely, handsome. I just you know. would have said smiling. I wouldn't have added any of the other attributes because right. they're wrong. Well, you know. Okay, good. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, mom. <laughs> All right. How you doing? Now go to your room. <laughs> what have you been up to? Um, I hear you got snow in there, Denver. Yeah, yeah. Because you guys got- didn't get the memo about winter being over. <laughs> I don't know. We got a little snow. It's been dry here for a while, so it's, it's kind of nice. I, I hope to potentially hit the slopes again soon. It was getting pretty uh, pretty barren up there. But yeah, things are good, man. Work is good. You know, We've got some cool things coming soon, and I think we'll talk about it a little bit at, at the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, exciting stuff in the works. But uh, yeah, Bigger Pockets is growing great. We're, we're, we're mid-hiring, and again, we'll talk about that at the end of the show. But if you are looking for a job, biggerpockets.com slash jobs. We are looking for some folks in Denver. Especially uh, web developers. So uh, Web developers, product managers, all, yep. all sorts of other stuff. But uh, yeah, so things are, things are great. Things are great. Let's, let's, let's start getting this thing going, though. Right. Enough of this uh, jibba-jabba. Okay, let's do our quiz. Tip. Really? That was the most annoying sound in the world. That was that was pretty terrible. All right, guys. <laughs> today's quick tip is uh, Bigger Pockets just introduced a pretty cool feature uh, just to help everybody out. And and the feature is uh, we are uh, on. If you go on the forums and you're looking at an abbreviation that you don't understand, it's a pretty good chance if you hover your mouse over the abbreviation, you will get a description of what that stands for. Potentially a definition, if need be. And potentially links to uh, other content uh, when when available. So um, it, it's pretty cool. Definitely will help the new investor out who may not know what people are talking about when they talk about ROI or you know CCR and all sorts of other things that make no sense to them. Uh, so definitely check that out. And if you do come across something that uh, there is not an abbreviation for, let us know and we'll fill it in for you. There you go. And you can do that by tweeting us at BiggerPockets or send an email to support at BiggerPockets.com. Yeah, there you go. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. As home prices and interest rates continue to rise and inventory levels dip, it's getting harder to find quality flips and wholesale deals. When there's not enough on-market inventory to go around, it's time to start looking off-market. Lucky for you, there are millions of homeowners nationwide who own a property they need to get off their hands. I got two words for you, my friend. Prop stream it. 
PropStream is the leading real estate data provider and recognized as a Tech 100 honoree by HousingWire for the fourth consecutive year. With PropStream, you can search over 155 million properties nationwide using 120 plus search filters like pre-foreclosure, bankruptcy, pre-probate, failed listings, and more to help you find motivated sellers in seconds. PropStream offers both public record data and an MLS sales estimate that's over 99% accurate to help you get the most accurate comps even in non-disclosure states. PropStream also provides lead automation, skip tracing, and a marketing suite with emails, postcards, and custom landing pages to close more deals efficiently. Get started today with their seven-day free trial and get 50 leads for free. Head on over to www.propstream.com BP. That's www.propstream.com BP. You're ready to open a business bank account for your new property. You know what that means? Coordinating a time between you, your co-founders, and your bank consultant. Waiting at the branch or waiting for hours on the support line. Who has time for that? With Relay, you can open a business bank account for your property 100% online from anywhere. Create up to 20 accounts to organize money by property or by categories like expenses, taxes, or investments. Effortlessly collaborate with role-specific access. That means giving your cleaner a debit card for cleaning supplies or your accountant read-only access to your transactions. Own multiple businesses? Relay lets you open unlimited accounts and access them all from one centralized login. Okay, I'm just, I'm going off script here. That is cool. It's annoying that I have to log into 10 business accounts with my current bank. So go sign up for RelayFi because that's a, that's a feature that I like. No monthly fees or minimums, and it takes just 10 minutes to sign up. Head on over to RelayFi.com slash BiggerPockets for stress free banking. You can join me because I'm heading on over there right now. I'm heading on over to R-E-L-A-Y-F-I dot com slash bigger pockets. Relay is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by ThreadBank, member FDIC. The Relay Visa debit card is issued by ThreadBank pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. and may be used everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted. So with that, let's should we introduce our guest? Are we ready for that? Yeah, you want to do it? Do it? Uh, yeah. All today's right. guest, this guy has been at this for just about a year. And yep. in that time has really come a long way. What, what are we at? Uh, 25, 25, 25 units. And it works a full-time job. And it's a demanding full-time it job. It is I mean, a it's, demanding it's job. It's not a 30-hour week thing. This is not right. bigger pockets. <laughs> so so we're going to find out. It, it is not bigger pockets. And we'll talk about that at the end of the show. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people complain and say, hey, I can never do real estate because I work, you know, a full-time job. Well, this guy's doing it. Find out how he's doing it by listening up. And, and there's a whole ton of really cool tidbits in here. Yeah. Even if you uh, have been in the game a little bit, uh, he's been doing some multi-deals, package deals, which are fascinating uh he's got this pretty pretty amazing negotiation technique yeah uh, that yeah, seems awesome. to work wonders uh so and listen up, and he lives and he lives in the most expensive one of the most expensive areas in in the country so well I mean, you can't invest in real estate then you can't, yeah, i got all these excuses i work a full-time job i live in an expensive area i you know don't know enough can't i'm done. new can't be done this can't guy done. this guy uh shows you how it can be done so there listen up go. let's do it all right well today's guest is kevin wood and uh, let's bring Kevin in. All right, Kevin, welcome to the show, man. It's good to have you here. Uh, thanks. Yeah, this should be fun today. We're going to talk about getting started investing in real estate. Because correct me if I'm wrong here, but you're pretty new at this real estate game, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, this is my 12 uh, month anniversary for my first post on Bigger Pockets. That's awesome. But you didn't today own anything. Is. Today is. Yeah. I did not own anything prior to April, May of this year. Um, Awesome. And bigger pockets was where I asked about my first deal. Cool, nice. and that was a year ago today. So well, not today, today, but this month. 
okay, so a year ago this month, you you posted on Bigger Pockets and you've gone 12 months and you've done nothing, right? That's why we've got you on the show. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we've we've actually grown from uh, zero to 25 units. That's awesome. That's your first awesome. year. Okay. So we, and not only that, hold on, let's, because we're going to dig in deeper. We are. You, you, uh, you work at uh, the big G, right? You work at, over at Google. I do. Yeah. I'm uh, in the, the tech field um, from Houston, Texas, um, ended up moving to the Bay Area to take a job and um, have a business partner that I work with uh, in Houston. And, and the two of us have, have kind of grown this business. Okay. So, so you're not, so you're not buying property where you are in Mountain View. You're buying property down in Houston, right? <laughs> No, I can't even afford property for myself here. <laughs> Houses with uh, within my area are, are 1.3, 1.5 million dollars, and nice. uh, our real estate portfolio is is probably just now above that. So, so nice. So here's here's what I want to point out here. I have I talk to people all the time who live in San Francisco or live in L.A. or live in New York City, and they mm-hmm. say I've been trying to invest for years, but it's just so expensive here. I can't do it, and they'll go their whole life without doing it. So I love the fact that you live in the most expensive area in the U.S. probably. I don't know if there's any area more expensive than where you it's are right expensive. now. And yet you're still making it in a year. You've gotten 25 units. So there are ways to do it, right? But you have to maybe look outside your area. Yeah, go in Detroit. Yes. <laughs> you can go over to Detroit and pick up everything. Okay, so let's dive into that, actually, how that happened. We'll start at the beginning of your story. What made you, first of all, get into real estate? Like, get the idea that you might want to invest? Yeah, so uh, it actually probably... Uh, my business partner, his name's uh, Matt. He, he's probably relevant to the story in that I've known him uh, for about 16 years. And he was in the Navy for six years. And, and during that time, we were just always chatting about, you know, we're going to always start a business or we're going to invest together. We're going to do some sort of activity together. And so we just kept reading a bunch of different books and came across real estate books the whole rich dad, poor dad thing, as well as uh, other popular books. And uh, probably during that time he was in the Navy, each of us read about 25 books on real estate. So we, we did a lot of, uh, of reading, a lot of education. And then um, Bigger Pockets was, was something I found online. And what I liked so much about the website, it was very actionable. And unlike the books, I found people that were like me, because I think the books are very directed towards people that have one formula that they've always followed. That's their full career. And, and Bigger Pockets really kind of showed me all the different angles that people uh, invest in real estate. And it, it gave us some directed paths to focus, focus on. And um, our first deal ended up being um, an investor that was looking to do a, a flip, not through Bigger Pockets, but he was looking to do a flip into a, a multifamily. And so we offered on five of his eight properties for sale. Um, wow. Well, so bef- before that, I want to go before that because I know yeah. you mentioned earlier you said your first deal you asked some advice on the Bigger Pockets forums about a condo or something, right? Yes. What was that story about? I wanted to, because you didn't end up buying that, I think. Yes. Uh, so we asked about a, a condo. Um, the deal didn't look great on paper, but we were new. We hadn't run a bunch of deals. And so uh, I wanted to ask some Bigger Pockets members. And uh, like most condo deals that come up on Bigger Pockets, there was a lot of, trepidation, I guess, around the HOA fees and people uh, recommended that we didn't purchase the property. And it was actually from the same investor that ended up uh, selling us the five houses. This was kind of his entry deal. So he was trying to unload the properties that no one wanted, basically. And then once we said no, he was like, well, I have these other properties if you guys are interested as well. That's great. 
Well, that's the power of, of chatting with folks. Uh, re- really quickly, um, you talked about, you asked people about the deal. Uh, for those people who are listening, we have a, a forum on Bigger Pockets, a discussion area called Ask About a Real Estate Deal. So you literally can go in there, put in the numbers, tell people, hey, this is what I got, and ask them what they think. It's a great way to get feedback, particularly for new investors. So if you ever are trying to get advice on a deal and you're unsure of something, put it out there and ask and, and see what your peers uh, have to say. Also, you know, quick plug on the calculators, biggerpockets.com slash calc. Uh, we built a calculator uh, suite uh, so that you can go in, plug in all the numbers and, and you know, find out if it actually is a good deal. Uh, but uh, yeah, so, you know, you're talking about this condo deal. The, the condo deal, the numbers don't work. It, you know, the, the BP folks told you guys to kind of stay away. Uh, you stayed in touch with the guy. How did that kind of happen? I mean, you, did you just, you know, did you say, hey, no thanks, I'm not interested, and that was the end of it, or, and he followed up? Or, you know, were you guys continuing just to, the conversation? Because that's a really important transition, I think, and it doesn't necessarily always happen. And uh, I think in a lot of cases, it could happen if the investor knows how to approach it. Yeah. And I think this goes back to to Brandon's always talking about a competitive advantage and what exists for you. And Matt's mom actually had worked with a guy who was friends with the original investor. And so it was a friend of a friend, basically, is how we got in touch with him. And um, the way I think people should approach other investors is try to offer value. And so we said, hey, we're trying to get into real estate. You know, we really admire what you've done. You're friends with such and such. And we just want to know more about about real estate, asking questions, being curious and saying, hey, if you ever need help with anything, run numbers, anything like that, you know, feel free to reach out to us. And by offering that value, even though we ended up not doing any work for him, he felt comfortable reaching out to us and wanted to help us. And so we just kept up that relationship. We'd ask him questions like, hey, we're looking in this area. What do you think about this deal? And then he had the apartment complex he wanted wanted to buy. And then that's when he reached out and said, well, I'm now going to unload these eight properties. Uh, would you like to purchase them? And uh, we negotiated on those properties for over a month. It was about a four to five week negotiation back and forth. Yeah, so let's talk about it. I mean, you said it was five of eight properties that he was selling. You guys picked up. Um, so was it five properties or five units? I, I just want to clarify. Yeah, so this is uh, five uh, single families. We we now invest exclusively in multifamilies, but uh, we started out with single families. And um, the original, I think the homes were valued at roughly, by our estimates, 400000 He wanted... Three hundred and ninety thousand, and we ended up uh, agreeing to three hundred seventy-six thousand on the properties. And the way I negotiated the deal was sort of interesting. Um, what happened was he offered the five, and we said, "If you give us a deal, we'll we'll offer on all eight. And he said, "Okay, that's fine." We we gave him a very low offer, and then we've done this a few more times. Is is when someone says no or box at your deal, you then ask them to individually value the 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 pieces within the real estate deal, and then we pulled out the three that we didn't we thought were way overpriced, and now our five that are left are at a very very good deal. So we ran cash flow numbers on all eight properties and pulled out the three with the worst cash flows, and now we have a really good deal. Um, so that's a pretty good negotiating. That tactic. was awesome. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that's great. So um, you you ended up at, at 376. You picked up five properties. I mean, you're you're a new investor. What the hell are you doing buying five properties for? So what <laughs> what was what was that like? I think a lot of people are afraid to go in and, and buy one. And and surely there was some fear on your side and and buying only one, but but you went ahead anyway with the five. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So we we felt like buying more than one, we could treat it almost like a multifamily, and that's sort of what we did. And that we looked really hard at the cash flows. We wanted to ensure we are a cash flowing property. And um, I think something to tell new investors if they if they do own one house is you can do everything right and value everything right. And you will you can potentially have a house that will lose you money. So if I look at the five properties we've purchased, if we had purchased one of those properties, we would be uh, down about $10,000 right now in, in cash flow. Uh, but together... Um, I think we're we're almost completely cash flow positive, including closing cost, which which is pretty good for us. Um, so I think we've only basically paid uh, out of pocket about fourteen fourteen thousand now uh, on those properties. Um, so that's that's pretty good. Um, how did you? How did you? I guess not including them? not including equity. Yeah, sure. So we did traditional traditional financing on those properties. Okay. Um, that probably. Looking back isn't something that uh, I would recommend when you're buying five because what they ended up doing is running five separate loans and we paid closing costs five different times. Uh. Um, I don't think they would have had to do that, but we ended up dealing with folks that only sold single family residence houses one at a time. And so they didn't know how to package the deal together. I think you have to individually separate them out for Fannie Mae, but I think you can group some aspects of the deal that lower the price. And so um, I think if we would have potentially uh, found a bank that would work with us, we could have maybe, you know, done a, a commercial deal or, or done a deal with the credit union or something like that. Um, so, yeah, you might've, but I don't, I don't know if you would have gotten, did you get a 30 year fixed on those? Like 30 year fixed we did, mortgage? Yeah, we would have got 20 year probably. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I don't think mm-hmm. you'd get the 30 year fixed, but and I mean, if you would have been like everyone else, I mean, like, like me and, and, and everyone else who buy like, you buy one house, you buy another, you buy another, you buy another. Over the course of several years, you're going to pay five sets of closing costs. You just did it all at once. So it's not like you wasted money at all. You yeah. just put it all together and maybe you could have saved a little bit. But I guess that's a lesson for people listening is if you're going to buy a bunch at a time, maybe shop around a little bit and, and find out. Yeah, great advice. And so. definitely there's a big difference talking to banks and saying, I've never purchased a property versus I own five houses. Even if it's yeah. only been two or three months, we learned that uh, a few months later, uh, when we got our, our first multifamily, so um, even cool. just talk, buying, talk about that. I mean, yeah. what, what what kind of difference does it make? What's the treatment? I mean, I think you can go on the big, bigger pockets forum as well, and it's it's a similar thing where you'll see a lot of people talk about getting into real estate investing, and you you see that they haven't uh, learned the lessons or, or or done the research yet, and and a lot of those people fall away, and and you don't hear from them again. Yeah, and then. When you have a person that says, "Hey, I've purchased my first property. I'm doing that deal," that person always sticks around. And I think for the the banks, it's the same way. Is okay. This guy is committed to this model. They're committed to real estate and they're investing in the marketplace. And so they have a plan that they've executed on. It's you know being in the Bay Area. It's like the the startup community. It's like what have you actually built so far? And um, at least in our experience. When the banks responded a lot more favorably to us once we actually had some properties uh, 
in our, you know, with our LLC and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just fantastic advice. Anyway, across the board is like, get out there and just get your first deal. Like, you know, I'm not suggesting people should go out and get a bad deal at all. But like when I look on my, on my past, my first flip ever, like it didn't work out. I didn't sell it. I turned it into a rental property. My tenant burned it down last summer, you know, half of it down. And like, I'll never probably make money on that deal. At the end of the day, I'll probably never make money. I'll probably sell it here soon and break even on it. And like, I, and I was telling a friend this last night and he said, well, you do regret, do you regret buying it? And I said, not even up, not a bit, you know, cause it made me say, okay, I'm in this game. I'm committed. I'm doing this. So again, don't go out <laughs> and buy a bad deal. But what you said yep. there was just right on is like, once you have that first deal, you mm-hmm. suddenly become more legitimate and you're, you're committed. Your feet are to the fire at that point. Well, you're legit because yeah. you got a deal. So. Yeah. 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 And, uh, the Brian Burke podcast actually, uh, that what you're saying there that reminds me a lot of what he said which is you've got to just get started at some point and and we we kind of have a saying that we use amongst ourselves which is uh we find the no in the numbers so we're looking for the no why shouldn't we do this deal but then once the numbers make sense once it fits our models then we do everything we can to find the yes um so you need to like you said you run the numbers you may run into a bad deal. Like I said, one of our houses is, was going to uh, is a cash loser as of right now, but ever all the numbers fit, and so now we needed to find the yes to make that deal happen, and, and that's kind of how we operate. You have to put your feet to the fire at some point and, and execute. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, yeah, I love and it. Brandon is uh, feverishly writing up notes. Uh, <laughs> the Brian Burke episodes were uh, show number three, show number seventy six. And show 152, where, where, where it was Brian, Serge, and Ben. Uh, so you can get to those at biggerpockets.com slash show three, biggerpockets.com slash show 76, and biggerpockets.com slash show 152. I love that saying. Find the no in the numbers. And when it makes sense, do everything that you can to, to find a yes. You know, you, you've, you've done the math. You, you know, this is a deal, right? So now what do I actually have to do to, to get this thing to happen? That's yeah. pretty much what you're saying, correct? And it's the scariest thing in the world um, <laughs> because I I was a person that came into real estate, uh, you know, saving my money all this all these years. I'm I'm in my early 30s now, and so I'm selling stocks, a relatively safe investment vehicle, and going into real estate. And it's extremely terrifying because you know once you cross that line, it's on. Like you have to manage properties, you have to deal with tenants, you have to fix fix the property. And it's funny, and I, I'm sure all real estate investors say this, looking back now, all of those activities are very, not a big deal to me. Like, you yep. know, buying your first property is so scary. Buying your second is nothing. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I thought it was interesting. You said leaving stocks a quote, relatively safe investment vehicle. I mean, you know, it's a vehicle that you have zero control over except exactly. the purchase. Right. And, and, and so, once you you own it, you can't affect it at all, and and that's why real estate's so so cool because you know you can get in, you can actually affect the value by taking action and by doing certain things, you know, fixing up the place, landscaping, making sure you know things, uh, making sure, making sure you actually buy it uh, at, at discount, things things like that. Um, but you know, it is certainly a more active endeavor than, than buying stocks, but you you hear that a lot and the media really, I think does a crappy job of, you know, pushing that, um, that worldview that stocks are a safe vehicle and real estate's not. Well, 
you know, hey, you know, China does something or, you know, uh, or something happens in Iran or, you know, Putin does something and, and suddenly the market tanks, right? You just lost money because there's something that's thousands and thousands of miles away. Your local market in real estate isn't going to react like that. You know, ultimately it could over time, but, you know, you're not going to see, you know, 3%, 5%, 12%, 15% drops in minutes. You you know, that that takes a, a really long time. And so, uh, you know, ho- hopefully everybody listening gets that. Uh, those people who are on the fence, I mean, it, that's why real estate is so, so exciting and so sexy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that it definitely is important to diversify. So from someone that's, I'm a finance and accounting guy. um, So I love the number side of it. And if you look at wealthy individuals and almost all of them have a portion of their portfolio that's allocated to, to real estate and you're going to get way more bang for your buck and finding your own deals and adding value than say investing in a real estate trust or something like that. And so um, I think it's something that every, everyone should explore. And I, I think you know, you can look at bigger pockets and find someone that's in a similar situation to you that's made it work and, and find a, a way of investing in this asset class that, that makes sense uh, f- based on, you know, your story. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Say, so, I want to ask about, you said earlier, like, that's the scariest thing to buy that first deal. So I had dinner with a friend last night and him and his wife, and they're buying their very first deal. Well, they're wholesaling their very first deal, just got mm-hmm. it under contract. And uh, his wife um, asked me, and I thought it was a great question. She said, like, how do you know you're making the right decision, the right choice? She's mm-hmm. like, I, you know, she implied like they were, they were nervous, like that they're, yeah. that they are wasting their time and like all the stuff they've learned and now putting into practice and they're scared to death. So how do you, how did you overcome that? And do you have any advice for people listening? Yeah. So, um, I made kind of, because I, I'm not in my market, I, this will kind of also be talking to people that aren't in their market. Um, what I did is I subscribed to the Houston business journal. And I still subscribe to it and I read it every single day. And it tells me what new businesses are going up in my neighborhood. I know, for example, this the city that I grew up in, I called some friends and was like, Hey, you're getting an H E B in this part of town, you know, in the next three months. And they're like, Whoa, I didn't H E B is a big grocery store chain. They're like, Whoa, I didn't know that. And so there's these business journals that I subscribe to. So I, I get all my information there. And then something you talk about in in the webinars that I, I do as well is I crunched probably 25 deals in the zip codes that we purchased in prior to making my first purchase. Nice. And so if you have looked at 30 properties in the zip code of the property that you're purchasing, you know if that's a good deal or not. Yep. So it, I, I don't know, one of the webinars you said uh, for someone to get started, look at 80 deals. And I, I bet there's not one person that has has done that, that has purchased property that made a bad decision because by going through that process, you will be able to identify good deals. Yeah. Yeah. I, that I, is I, great, great feedback, by the way. And, that's and, awesome. <laughs> and I, I love that you've, you've listened to the webinar and, and it, it's true. That's why we, that's why we do the webinars. Yep. That's why, you know, we're, 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 we're selling this stuff and I mean, quote selling it, you know, you, you know, the idea of, of do the work, Get to know the market, yep. and I love the advice of of you know getting those uh, the, the local business journals yeah. and reading those constantly because you know that that'll tell you exactly what's happening in that area. And you know, listen, hey, if if they're building a new rail line uh, along this path, you know, 
obviously there's going to be a station nearby. There's going to be an effect on property values. If there's a new great grocery store that's coming in, you know, that's going to change things. So, um, yeah, great, great advice. Yeah. I love that. And, and to go back to the, the, the analyzing deals thing. And this is what I say in case people have not been to a bigger pockets webinar, which you guys should come. I do one every single week, biggerpockets.com slash webinar, sign up and we've analyzed deals together and fun stuff like that. So, uh, but, but one thing I mentioned a lot is this idea that if you analyze, I challenge people, analyze three deals every single day. And I say that because if you analyze three deals every day, after a month, you've analyzed roughly a hundred deals after like, I like to ask that rhetorical question, like after analyzing a hundred deals, do you think you'll be better or worse at analyzing deals and recognizing a good deal after a hundred deals or after 80 deals like that? Like, of course you would be. And so like, if for not, even if you don't want to invest now, start analyzing deals today, even if you don't plan to invest till next summer, just start analyzing now. Cause the more you analyze deals, the better you're going to get at recognizing the good ones. And I love Kevin that you said that. So yeah, thank yeah. you. And, and what's important too is somebody listens to Brandon. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a good a good deal in Brandon's market, a good deal in my market is not a good deal in your market. Yep. You yes. have to you have to have analyzed your market, your deals to know what a good deal is. So that's that's, awesome. that's so important. You can't watch a Brandon's webinar, see him do a deal in his neighborhood and say, yep. "Okay, this cap rate, this return rate, this you know, this is this is what I should expect in my market." That is not true at all. Yep. And there are challenges in your local market that do not exist in my market, do not exist in Brandon's market. Yep. yep. That's why I hate yep. people ask me like, you know, I mean, I don't hate it because I like the question. Oh, but like, angry. Well, angry. They, like, they ask me, well, is, you know, what return on investment should I get or what cap rate should I look for? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, it's going to be totally like depending on Brandon, you, you're, your situation. You're the guy. You have to I'm know. the guy. I got to know these things. I'm like, I don't. And, or people email me sometimes deals and they're like, what do you think of this deal? And I'm like, I don't know your area. Like, I wish I could dive into every deal people send me. Like. I just, I don't know the area. I don't know where the things are moving, where industry's going up, where it's going down, where, yep. yeah, it, I don't know. So anyway, I love, anyway, great to, stuff. To go on further along the, that, sure. you know, in terms of just knowing your market, I, I think one of the things that newbies fail to do is go and look at properties. Uh, you know, they're nervous. They don't want to go and, and do it. Now, I say, you've got to look at every property in the area. Anytime something goes on sale, if you're new, you need to go and check it out. You need to see every property for sale. That also teaches you how to evaluate what a good deal, what a bad deal is, you know, what the market wants in a property. You know, maybe the B-class properties look, you know, one way and you were thinking, hey, I'm going to go and put granite and all this stuff. And that's not what the area is you know, saying that you should be putting in there. So you've got to know not just the numbers, but you also have to know level of finish, all, all sorts of other stuff. And, and so as a new investor, just make sure you know your area. Your area is what matters most. Yeah, and that's where my my partner Matt comes in. He's the one in Houston. I'm in Mountain View, California, and and so he's the one who's who's looking at the properties. If you're like me and not able to look at every single property, I obviously have my partner that I uh, take a lot of pictures, and then I'll look at other properties by looking at other real estate listings and look at properties there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so true. Well, let's talk about the partnership thing a little bit since you brought that up. Like other people who are thinking about working with a partner, like mm-hmm. what do you recommend? Do you recommend that? Do you think that you got yes. lucky? You think that's a good idea? Um, so if you are involved in real estate, you have a team around you. Um, you are working with partners, whether you like it or not, if you want to be successful in this business. Um, that said, being um, a 50-50 partner with someone, you have to have a lot of trust there. And 
I almost want to say you, you have to have had some disagreements with this person in the past and understood that I understand how this person works. I understand them at their worst and we're okay with each other. We know how to deal with each other. Um, it's hard for me to, to say just meet someone and then immediately go into a partnership with them because I knew my business partner for 16 years. That said, I guarantee you within your network of people you have a, a pretty decent relationship with, there's someone that probably is, is interested in real estate or some aspect of the business that, that you could potentially work with. That's great advice. Great advice. Yeah. So with, with you and your partner, uh, you said Matt, was that? Matt, yep. Matt, yeah. So how, how do you guys actually structure your partnership? Do you guys uh, do everything together? Do you do mm-hmm. just certain deals together? I, I heard you talk about an LLC earlier. So do, do, are you guys just splitting the LLC? How, yeah. how do you guys have it set up? So we're 50-50 ex- exactly in everything. Um, Matt uh, does on some of our other properties that, that I'm sure we'll get into. Um, he does some some on-the-ground work, and so we, we compensate him for that. Um, I had a little more saved up in money, so I put in a few, a little more funds earlier that he's sort of, you know, putting money in when he can. Um, and then when it comes to responsibilities, anything that can be handled online is primarily my responsibility. And then I'm also uh, the driver for finding deals. And we use primarily the MLS right now, but finding deals, uh, speaking to investors. I network a lot on bigger pockets, and Matt's involved with interacting face-to-face with tenants. He handles the leases. We're actually looking into potentially starting a contracting business because he handles a lot of subcontractors and things like that. And uh, so that's kind of our split. Anything that's on the ground is him. He's the boss. He consults me. Anything that's online, I'm sort of the boss on that and, and I consult him. We don't do any major decisions without both of us being in agreement. Um, right so, on. Yeah. That's, that's great. great. That's great. So how... How should people network on bigger pockets? I mean, it's a totally self-serving question, yeah. obviously. But you know, as somebody who's who's probably doing it the right way, how do you go about doing that? Yeah. So here's my advice for a new person. Um, there's a lot of people that get on bigger pockets, and they're like, "Hey, I'm new. Teach me real estate," and that's kind of their only post. If you're very serious about doing this, uh, let's say you're in the Houston market, and here's a good newbie post. Hey guys, I'm interested in bigger pockets. Listen to a webinar, a couple podcasts. I'm really interested in investing in 77015. I've looked at all of the MLS deals that are in this market, and here's my analysis on how the market works. Can you guys give me any feedback on my analysis? You will have someone that invests in that market reach out to you because after my five house deal, I. I posted a success story, said, hey, this is what I did. I got contacted by four investors saying, hey, let's meet up, let's talk, uh, you know, let's, let's work together on something if, if we can. And so by offering value and something as simple as saying, hey, I'm looking at this zip code, here's my analysis of that zip code. I, if you did that, I would reach out to you because that means you're interested in the real estate market and you're taking it seriously and you've done some legwork. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other thing is lots of people set up keyword alerts on the site for things like zip codes. So, you know, you set up a yeah. keyword alert at biggerpockets.com slash alerts for the zip codes that you're interested in and active investors who participate in those zip codes will get an alert, get an email or a text message if they're a pro user and they could jump in and, and you know, investors want to know other investors. That's where deals come from. That's where opportunities come from. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I have, 
That's I have, awesome. I have my text message keyword alert set up for like my town name and the couple towns I invest in. I never actually did a zip code. I don't know why I've never thought of that, but I'm going to tell you to do, do it the today. Zip I'm going to do that today. Yeah. But I do my, my town name. So that way, every time somebody does it, I get a text. And I like, I, no matter what I'm doing, I always jump on to see what it is. You know, I could be on a date mm-hmm. with my wife and it's terrible, but like, I'll look because I'm like, oh, somebody just mentioned Montesano. I'll go and look and I'll read the forum post. Why are they talking about my town? And like, I've met people, a ton of people that way. Just, I mean, I live in a tiny little area and we're having conversations almost every day about my area. So yeah. Uh, good recommendation there. I also like how you said, uh, you know, just to get out there and share your success stories. You know, you went up there and you said you yeah. did something cool. So you went and told people about it. I mean, that inspires people, but it also shows that you're legit, right? Yeah. And, and actually, um, I would not have gotten my next property, which was the 14 unit, without that first post on Bigger Pockets. Um, really? Because I met a real estate agent, um, and I'll plug out Sharon Zeeb, um, uh, yep. who actually Ben had recommended when she had uh, been an agent in California. I actually looked up all her post history. She was very active. Um, So I chatted with her and said, hey, we're interested in multifamilies in this area of town. She set us up an alert. And we also uh, worked with a bank that kind of ended up leaving us at the altar. But either way, um, we got a property in an area that I'd been crunching numbers in. Uh, it's the Heights area of Houston, which is one of the best uh, rental markets. Um, so here's here's this crazy deal. It came up. I already knew that the price was almost exactly at the land value because I had looked at a deal on that same street. It was a 14 unit, but because it was listed on the MLS, they could only max put 12 units. So everyone thought it was a 12 unit. I contacted Sharon. We offered on the property with a bank commitment letter within 24 hours. And because our presentation was so professional, they ended up accepting our deal over an offer that was $30,000 more. That's awesome. So that's, that's how we got our, our second deal. And um, that one was, was a, tough, uh, a tough deal. It still is a tough deal. We're still working on improving that, that complex. Um, so let's talk about it. What, what, what was tough about it? Um, what... I'm I'm assuming uh, since uh, you you got a nice deal out of it, some work had to be done, uh, and it sounds like some work continues to need to be done. What's yeah? Uh, what's the story? So I I just posted an imager link in the comments for you guys, so you could see what we're dealing with here. But I'll describe it for for the listeners. Uh, the first picture is is the unit we're going to be looking at the after pictures for, but essentially. These were studio apartments. Uh, they're referred to as as shotgun studios, where uh, it was an area of town that was. It was the Heights used to be a, a pretty dilapidated area in this part of town, and it's starting to be uh, turned around. And so, this was buying the worst property. I used to own this building. Next. Yeah. <laughs> so. I know, uh, I'm looking at pictures right now. I'm like, yeah, holy yeah. cow. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to put a link to this in the show notes as well at biggerpockets.com slash show is, it, is that mold on the light in the ceiling? It <laughs> is mold. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, if you scroll down to the bathroom, you'll see that it's PVC pipe outside of the wall hanging by a string to a shower head. Yeah, so. that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> this is what I would call Classy. A, a, a D D minus <laughs> level apartment. And then um, let me just show you like the the type of work that we're doing and the the drastic change I just posted the the updates which we and, will also show in the show notes at biggerpockets.com/show167 yes that's and, incredible the difference wow and so you could see the 
in the previous picture, they had put fake laminate over this floor, and these floors are, are all natural wood that have been there since the, the late uh, 1920s. And uh, we found someone that, that would refinish the floors for us. Um, and then the bathroom, you can see it looks like a normal bathroom now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rather oh. than the, the the PVC piping, some yeah, I, I people want a blue string, yeah. to, <laughs> to you know, kind of hold up the, the shower head. I mean, there, there's something special about that, exactly. And so um, we're in a transition state right now, and 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 you can see going from what I would consider a D minus to an A plus, you're going to have some some tenant differences there. Yeah. Uh, this, this unit actually just got finished within the last month and uh, we just now rented it, but we found someone that was willing to pay 700 a month for 12 months in advance. So we got all of that, that rent wow. prepaid. Uh, the property was listed at 740 and prior to that, it was, it was renting for $500. Wow. Um, so that's a pretty big increase, but it, it also was about three months of work. It was very challenging at times. And I kept, Thinking back, I think there was a podcast with the uh, the apartment owner who in Chicago bought that really dilapidated property and moved his office inside the property. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I had to do an eviction. None of the none of the tenants had leases or anything like that. We didn't have any identifying information. I had to do an eviction on one of the units. One of the units, an individual was selling drugs. I mean, we're dealing with like very very tough situation that has been a, a long time coming, and and obviously. Matt did a lot of work and and something that we did that I haven't heard any other bigger pockets uh, podcast uh, folks do is is we we actually met with the designer to to determine kind of what the best look was for our apartments and how we should uh, remodel. Cool. What did that? When did it end up costing, or did it, it was somebody you knew? So it was it was someone we knew. Uh, his name's uh, I'll plug him. His name's Rob Reagan, and he has a website robreagan.net. Um, but what he did is you kind of I, I don't know i'm not a design guy i'm not a fancy guy but i don't know if you've ever walked in a place and you're like for some reason the paint just looks off mm-hmm. like i was outside i walk inside and the paint just looks off and so you know we meet with him and he's like you can't use this interior paint because your exterior paint is this they're they're they don't match and we have originally had for example butcher block counters on this remodel and he was like, that's terrible when you have natural wood. It's going to look cheap and you should go with a white countertop. And I think th- these are within $200 of each other. Um, but it's something that I highly recommend if, if you're looking to do a remodel because you do it once, you get a lot of education very quickly. It's less than $1,000 usually. Um, and it could be, you know, it could be as, as cheap as a you know a dinner and like a consultation for like 100 bucks or something. But you'll learn so much in that amount of time for an area, at least for me, where I don't know anything about uh, design or anything like that. And it can be as in-depth as, hey, this is how much space we have. And he can actually design models and things like that. Um, We didn't didn't do that because we knew where we wanted our cabinets and things like that. But he really did help us with the colors and the matching. And now we have five or six tones that we can use that will all match our our apartment that we have right now. So Nice. uh, He did a good job. I'm looking at the pictures and it's fantastic. Yeah. Looks great. Hey, I want to dive into the transition because I, I, I think it's a process that a lot of people probably have questions about. So you have a 14 unit building. That is a D minus. Yes. You have tenants selling drugs, tenants who you don't know who the hell they are. 
Um, it's it's a mess. Probably not in a great neighborhood either. Correct. Um, it's the transitional. It's, it's much worse. Yeah, about. it's much yeah. worse than the, the. This is like the worst property in the neighborhood. Okay, sure. great, great property to have. Um, so now, how do we go without going broke while we're doing it? How do we transition yeah. fourteen units from D D minus to A? Um, h- how do you do that mathematically, financially, and then how do you do that? Um, in terms of, you know, putting in new tenants in a building that has a bunch of, you know, crap tenants in there, um, and you're you're trying to elevate kind of the the level of tenants, so to speak. So, how do you do that, and does that not scare off potential new tenants? Things like that. Those are the questions I yeah. want to know, and I think other people would want to know. Yeah. So, uh, I think the the first key is do not pay for the bad property. So in, in our case, we were getting a deal on the land. We basically paid for the land. Um, so we didn't buy all these bad things, but we then had to fix them up. And we've definitely spent more than we thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time you get contracting, I like I said, I've read 25 books, listened to the webinars, listened to all the podcasts. The first time you get contracting work, you're going to work with bad contractors. They're going to overcharge you. They're not going to do things when you say... and. I don't see how you can avoid this yeah. uh, because we actually got recommendations from contractors on bigger po- pockets, et cetera. Uh, but not in this unit. In another unit, it was like sagging to one side. The The beams on the second floor had started to collapse. And so we got quoted $7,000 to fix that. And we got six different quotes and it was the only person that came out quoted us. And it still ended up being too much. He didn't get it done on time. So I'm coming from a place to say we have not done this perfectly and we have made mistakes in this properties. So don't feel like uh, I I did things perfectly. But the first thing we did, we went to the property. There was trash outside. We've found someone. Someone was driving around. If you hang around your properties, start working on stuff, people will come around. And we said, they said, hey, can I do any work? We said, we'll give you 50 bucks to remove all this trash. So they removed all the trash out of the property that was on the outside. That immediately improved the look of the property. So I always, it's like a, a snowball thing where you, you work from what's the quickest, fastest way to add value. If you could do anything cosmetically, that's really quick. Do that. Uh, the second thing we did is what are things that are either dangerous to people or are going to cause a lot more problems later on. So there was a leak in one of the roofs, actually in the roof of the property, the remodeled property that I'm showing you here. We got that patched. Um, we then started fixing the beams. No one can. We didn't feel safe with someone living in that unit because it could collapse, it looked like. Um, so we, we worked on that. And then um, we had the eviction. So who's not paying rent? We, have, we evicted... And something that was interesting about this, another reason why we th- thought we would add a lot of value is out of the 14 units, two of the tenants were managers and not paying rent. Uh, yeah. And and one of those quote-unquote managers was uh, the bully who got everyone else to pay. <laughs> and and that's all he did. And so he was the one that was evicted. Um, he was actually some of the tenants that we felt like were you know very good tenants. He scared them and things like that. And so... Immediately getting him out of the property uh, really improved the mood of the tenants as well. And then the tenants were like, hey, these guys are coming in and they're fixing things that have been broken for a long time. They're looking at, hey, these, you know, I was on paternity leave and so I was there in Q4. And what then, is that? But yeah, exactly. Is that a real thing? We yeah. should have paternity leave at Bigger Pockets. This is a yeah. great idea. <laughs> 
I yeah. would take a book out of out of uh, Google's page. Anyway, oh, by, by the way, I'll be getting <laughs> phone calls and emails from Brandon for the next yep. you know, know six months to a year. Thanks for bringing that up, Kevin. Awesome. And so Matt and I are, are there working every weekend. You know, we both had full time jobs, and the tenants are like, "These guys are working on the property. They're improving it." Uh, they're asking how we are. They care about us. And so some of the individuals improved themselves because their mood improved. They felt safer. We were moving out uh, bad tenants. And then also we implemented things like a late fee. Uh, we started out real small. These guys, most of these guys still don't have leases, but we said, hey, you have to pay if you don't. It's $5 a day, which is is very low. But to go from nothing to $5 a day, we were really scared of of losing tenants when we already had four vacant units out of the 14. So we're slowly, I would definitely recommend not completely gutting the place. You want to get some cash going. Otherwise you're going to be out a lot of money for a long time. And so, yeah, then once we did that, now we started working on, okay, what's the worst unit with that's open. It was the one I showed you guys. There's trash everywhere and stuff. Let's get that tenant rentable. And then we're getting, you know, we're going from five, 540 per unit to about 700 a unit. And so that's in the process where now is going step by step and improving each of these uh, studio apartments and then renting them out. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. That's great. Are you planning on doing uh, renovations on units that you have tenants in and potentially moving them to other units or uh, what's kind of your plan for, for that? Because surely I'm assuming of those 10 remaining there probably uh, there are probably a few that aren't in great shape. Yeah, yeah, I would say almost all of them uh, are are in pretty poor shape. But what our plan t- is to give, we're kind of going to work our way from from bad tenants to good tenants, and to a bad tenant, we'll say your options: we're renovating this property; it's going to rent for this much. You can either stay in the unit at the new rent. We did kick the drug dealer out, obviously, but so he he oh. didn't get this deal. <laughs> but you can either stay in this unit at the new rent, you can leave and then come back at the new rent, or you can move out. That's kind of the strategy I've seen because once once in a blue moon, you'll get the A deal where they'll say, "I'll just pay the new rent and not require you to make any changes." Uh, yeah. It's very rare, but if it happens once, it's a huge windfall. So that's kind of the letter that that we're going to to give to these tenants. Okay. Cool. Now, let me ask you this. Is it, is it worth it? You know, this is a lot of work for you. At the end of the day, yeah. do you think this is all going to be worth it for you? Do you expect to have a ton of cash flow equity or, or what, what's your thoughts looking back? Yeah. So if you do not have the cash flow, and I would say add 300% to what you've reserved uh, for doing this sort of deal, and it's your first one, I would if I would have gotten into this 14 unit deal as my first deal, I would have drowned probably. I would say that if this is your first deal and you're getting started, do not do this deal. If you're looking to get into multifamily, if you know your area well and you see the potential and you know know what that property can rent for and you you see the ability to go in you know, we're looking at a three to five year plan here. You see the ability to go to, uh, uh, you know, add five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars in in value and, and cash flow that property. And also, we think there's going to be appreciation in that area, though we didn't buy for appreciation. Then I would say this is a fantastic deal. So it's not a deal for everyone, and it's not a newbie beginners deal, and it's not a low maintenance deal. Mm-hmm. But I think 
I like to think, I mean, I did a very similar deal. Mine wasn't quite as bad as yours, but my 24 unit I bought was 11 units when I got in there and we did one at a time. And like, yeah, it, it's, it's tough and it's not, it's not low maintenance. Like you said. Well, let's uh, but, talk about that though. Really, really quickly for you, Brandon. And then, um, Kevin, we'll, we'll, let's, I think we'll try and wrap it up with this. Um, so 24 units, you took it, you know, it was a, it was a nightmare. I'm assuming you, you got in there. Um, but after you've gone through and done all the renovation, increased the rents, kicked out the bad tenants, fixed up the units one by one, surely, you know, there was a, a fair amount of cost to that. But now, is that one of your better properties? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I would, again, it's one of those things that I wouldn't trade for anything. I mean, yeah. I could probably find better deals today. I could probably find the same cash flow with less work. Yeah. But the the lessons you learn in those projects will help you the rest of your life. Yeah. And so Kevin, to you, I mean, when this is all said and done, uh, how long do you expect this process to take from start to finish? Um, and uh, what do you expect to be uh, walking away with in terms of cash flow on it? Yeah. So this this property right now, uh, I'm actually looking at the financials now. Um, and property and maintenance, we've put between like thirty three and 40000 into the property. Each unit, we probably expect to be about two to to three thousand to to renovate, and we're not sure the back the back unit is is kind of this like shotgun house that was thrown up. It doesn't have the nineteen twenties uh, wood floors. It doesn't have the it doesn't look as nice. Basically, so we're not sure if we're going to renovate those. If we stopped, and if we wouldn't have remodeled any of these units, we would have been cash flowing pretty much from day one. Okay, but we are going for value. And so I think for us to get to exactly where we want to be, I think we're probably looking at a, a three-year three-year type project. Um, yeah. But well, it's us taking risk and putting money into that property to to get the value up. If we stopped or if we wouldn't have started, we would have been cash flowing from from day one. But we see the value in in increasing increasing the the look and yeah. of the units. Well, it sounds like you're—I mean—you're recouping your your cost in a year. Uh, I think, at least on the one unit you talked about, you went from five to seven hundred mm-hmm. something bucks a month. Twelve months—that's yeah. two grand. I mean, if you're spending two thousand bucks, that's pretty good ROI. Yeah, yeah. No, I—I I, I mean, I think there's a there's a lot of opportunity here. Uh, yeah. But like I said, you need those those cash flow reserves to be be comfortable doing that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> cool. Yeah. Cool. And. Yeah, I, I don't know if you guys want to go into to my my last property, but we actually sure. no, we don't care. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, no we love to, go ahead. So I posted that success story as well, um, and then another bigger pockets investor got online and he said, uh, "Hey, I'm in San Jose, which is near where I live. Uh, Kevin, I'd like to meet with you discuss. I actually invest in Houston as well. Chatted with him over two or three." Uh, you know, coffee, coffee meetings, things like that. We started talking. And he's like, I would like to get into the multifamily space. Again, this is 100% through my bigger pockets post. I'd like to get into the multifamily space. If you guys find something, then, you know, let's think about working together. And I went back to Houston, like I had said, for paternity leave in Q4. And then I'm going to talk badly about the, uh, those, lifestyle design $30,000 courses because one of the properties I looked at uh, for us doing a deal together was a 40 unit. And it was a guy that was, I felt terrible for him because he had followed the model. 
bought a 40 unit that needed massive remodels as his first property. Mm. And I walked into the property. He was losing five figures every month and had wow. nine, nine of the 40 units that were being remodeled at once. None of them were done and he didn't have any money left. So this is again why I say you don't want a, a big fixer up as your first project because you will get on it over your head. Um, and then also I think, um, you know, these lifestyle design courses, you can't just follow a, a model. There's, there's real world problems and challenges and you can quickly lose tons of money. So be very careful when you're looking for these huge value add properties. So anyway, we obviously, we didn't take that deal. It was, it was offered for way too much, but, uh, there was this six unit that in February. So, uh, 11 months ago, I, I had, uh, started working on this deal. Um, a woman had owned a bunch of properties in the Heights, which is again the what I consider the best rental market in Houston. She passed away, and there was this trust that was selling this property. It was listed for seven hundred and ninety-five thousand for a, a six-unit. Um, it's in the very best part of the Heights, so much better than our fourteen-unit. Our fourteen-unit's about three or four miles from this area, and um, I kept talking to them and trying to get a deal, trying to get a deal, and I would just I'd abandon it. And then I'd listen to a podcast and they'd say, keep checking up on your deals. If you find something that you want, keep talking. And I'd listen to something like, okay, okay, I'm going to call the, the agent. <laughs> so February, I call her. March, try to do a deal. Call her in June. Call her in July. Call her in September. And then finally, I'm talking to him, talking to him. Finally, while I'm there in Houston in November, she says, the owner wants to meet with you. And um, at this point, I'm like, Oh no, Matt and I don't have any cash left. We have this 14 unit that we're remodeling. And uh luckily the investor I met through Bigger Pockets chatted with him. Said, he said, I'd be potentially interested in this deal. Start uh meeting with the owner. It's an older man that's overseeing the trust and he's moving to Arkansas. And I'm like, okay, this is great. He's moving out of the area. He doesn't want this property anymore. The property now is listed for six hundred and eighty thousand, I think, and it started at seven ninety-five chat with this guy for three and a half hours, like Whoa. talking to him That's about crazy. his life, making friends, chatting with him, telling him, you know, what our goals are. We want to remodel this area. Um, and he says, okay, make me an offer. So I go back to my original deal. There's three properties that they're selling left. I offer on all three of them. One's a single family, one's a, uh, a duplex, and one's the six unit. We offer all together at a really low price. I think we offered like a 1.2 million or a million on these properties and they were listed at way above that. And he says, I'm never going to take that. That's a terrible deal. And I said, well, how much do you value the single family house? for?" <laughs> and he's like, again. yeah, yeah. And <laughs> he's like, it. he's like, oh, this is 200 something thousand. I was like, okay. And then I was like, how much do you value this duplex for it? He's like, oh, this, this is, you know, this price and it's really high. And I said, okay, so that leaves us our offer at this. Would you take the six unit at 550,000? And I was like, you know, there's going to be some work here. We need to do some. And he's like, okay, I'll do it. And so we ended up getting 200, you know, over $200,000 off the original price. And it was a deal that I worked uh, for 11 months. And um, I ended up being able to do the deal because of, uh, you know, this goes back to again, Brian Burke, my favorite podcast. And he says, um, you know, a part of some deal is better than no deal. And so 
this is a, a very money cherry deal, but um, it's getting us started with an investor that we could potentially do more deals with. Yep. And um, in my experience, I think if you identify the class of properties you want to go into, there's an infinite number of deals as long as you're patient and, and stick to your numbers. And so uh, this property doesn't need near as much work and, and we're already seeing uh, the ability to to raise rents and it's in the the very best part of of the heights of Houston. So we're we're really pleased with with that property and we closed on that one less than a month ago. So that's awesome. By the way, lots of people are going to now be making offers on package deals. <laughs> yeah, <and then> take, <laughs> only to negotiate for one or two pieces of the pie, which yeah. I, I I think that's a fantastic technique and. Uh, I, I love hearing how successful it's it's worked out for you so far. Yeah, it's uh I, I would highly recommend looking at negotiation books. I know uh everyone's a big fan of is it a Mike's podcast? Is it's like seventy seven or, or something like that, but it's a podcast on negotiating. Oh, I yeah. heavily I heavily recommend that one. And I actually listened to it because Brandon recommended it a couple of podcasts ago. But oh, nice. uh, yeah, the podcast I think it was Michael Quarles, I think yeah, yes. seventy seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. That's a fantastic negotiating podcast. Definitely check out some books. But, you know, you make money or lose money most of the time when you when you sign the deal. So make sure your numbers work. Make sure the worst thing that can happen is they take your first offer in my experience because then you're like, oh, no, I could I paid yep. way too much money for this. <laughs> this is terrible. Yep. Uh, and then sometimes, you know, you have to work a deal for 11 months and uh, it ends up paying off. So, um never compromise on on your returns you know we we actually had had worked out in the summer before this like a seller financing deal but then he wanted to be first lien on the note and wouldn't accept a bank lien and and all this stuff so you know a lot of headaches with this deal but uh found a bigger pocket pockets partner someone that that we trusted wanted to work with and uh we're able to close on a you know probably our best property to date i love it yeah i love it kevin so, so what you're trying to say is bigger pockets has been very, very good to me. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that's what I'm saying. Um, I, I think something that's key is is don't go on bigger pockets and say I want investors. I've never ever asked for investment once. Yeah, interact with the site, show how you can add value, show how you can be a trusted resource, and people will reach out to you. I reach out to people, people reach out to me, and we talk real estate. Uh, you know, oil prices have been going down. I talk to people that own properties in different areas of town, ask them how, how the oil prices are impacting their Houston market. What do they see the market doing? Um, having these conversations is, is really important. And the forums are very valuable, but I, I feel like the relationships you can pull from those forums are, mm-hmm. are even more valuable. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I love awesome. that. And and just cool. FYI, we did not invite Kevin on here. I didn't even know that he was like yeah, you know using no bigger pockets until like right before the show when I was reading over the show notes. So yeah, that's awesome. I just I, I led your story, but this is great that you're uh you're kind of one of our success stories. So that's great. Super fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's move on and to shift gears to the next section of the show, which we lovingly call our fire round. It's time for the fire round. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, 
I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb. And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Calling all property owners and operators. Are you managing a multifamily property and looking to elevate your residents' living experience? Introducing Quantum Fiber Internet, your go-to choice for speedy internet your residents will love. The process is as seamless as Quantum Fiber service. Starting at just $50 a month, your residents can enjoy fast, reliable internet that will make them love where they live even more. Connect with your local fiber representative today. Learn more at q.com slash go big. I wonder how they got that domain. That's q.com slash go big. Limited availability, service and rate in select locations only. Taxes and fees apply. 360 Wi-Fi and other equipment lease charges, taxes and fees are excluded from price for life offer and may be increased. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. Finding rental property insurance has been a headache for the past few years. You know the feeling. You're scrambling, calling 20 different insurance agencies in a dozen different cities, struggling to protect your portfolio at the right cost. But I'm going to tell you a little secret that'll change everything. Veteran investors don't go through the everyday insurance companies. They just use NREG. NREG, that's N-R-E-I-G, provides insurance solely for real estate investors. They've built the largest insurance program in the country for residential, tenant-occupied, vacant, and renovation properties. The best part? You can put all your properties on one insurance schedule and one monthly bill. And you can add, change, or remove properties without having to cancel one policy and purchase another. They insure properties from single-family rentals, up to 20-unit multifamily dwellings, vacation rentals, mobile homes, condos, and more. Trade catchy jingles for cash flow with insurance made for investors. Visit nreg.com slash bppod to request a proposal. N-R-E-I-G dot com slash B-P-P-O-D. All right, the world famous by around. Let's get to it. Question number one. These come direct out of the Bigger Pockets forum, so you may have even seen them because I know you interact there. 
Number one, in preparing to buy an apartment complex, do you have a checklist of things someone should take action on when doing the due diligence on buying something large? Or how do you know what to do when you're buying an apartment? So I think it's very, very important to find an inspector uh, that you trust. Um, And potentially, if it was my first apartment deal, I would try to find a local investor to walk the property with me if I could. Um, Because you are going to miss things even with those people attending uh, your walkthrough. There are problems that you will not foresee. And um, having a very good inspector is very important. I've definitely read on the forums where, where folks have, have had an inspector that, that wasn't good or missed something very major um, that, that was detrimental to their, their purchase. And so our inspector actually trains other inspectors. <laughs> so we've got a lot of confidence in him. And he was also... Uh, we found him through the individual that we bought the five houses from as well. Oh, cool. Uh, so he's been in the game for a while. So um, find very experienced people if you're inexperienced um, That's great. To, to walk through that property with you. Awesome. Awesome. All right, what, what's the best characteristic of a business partner? They need to be different than you, in my opinion. Um, I am not a great people person at times. Like I get, I get very frustrated with people. Um, Matt is very much more of a, a people person. Um, Matt's also, I'm the big idea guy, like, hey, we should do this. This looks totally awesome. And then Matt's the guy that that actually creates the checklist, executes on the deal. So I'm the big idea of bringing the deals, finding the deals guy. But if I was the guy that had to create the the checklist of everything we're going to do in our in our business from a contracting perspective, it would be done much worse. So Matt has a lot of strengths in areas that I that I uh, don't have strength in, and then something else that's very crucial as well is we have the exact same goals. Um, so we both have a, a view of the type of real estate we want to invest in, the direction we want to go in. Uh, but Matt eventually wants to to leave his job, pick up the contracting business. Um, in Texas, you don't have to be licensed to be a contractor, and so there's a, a huge variance. Um, and we found out that we can do find subcontractors that'll do work for a fraction of the cost. And so eventually we'll, we want to help other investors uh, perform the work cheaper and, and with better quality uh, and, and maybe prevent some of those mistakes that, that we made early on. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. That's great. So, um, go ahead. My turn. What? You're yeah. trying to take my question, Josh? Uh, you know, you're I, trying to I, steal I... my question? Well, let's see, we're we're, get, we're, get, we're getting main round answers right. in, the, in the fire round. That's all right, we're, we're, but it, but number but they're great answers. Number four, don't cut or me three. Off. Number three, what? what is the most important attributes to have in a property when making a deal, when buying a deal? What's the most important thing you look for? Um, I think it de- I think it depends on your goals, but for for me, the the most important thing, if I, if I'm not going to do a lot to the property, it needs to be cash flowing. Um. It needs if it's a multifamily, it needs to be at a good cap rate uh, for the area. Uh, we typically like properties that we have to put a little bit of work into, and and so when we're looking at that property, we want to make sure we're not paying for uh, things that are broken. So if the property's in really bad disrepair, we don't want to pay for that, and um, we want to again look at the property, compare it to things in the area, and see. Um, we don't want to improve a property that's already one of the nicer properties in the neighborhood as well. Um, so I, I think the better your neighborhood is compared to your property, the, the more we're willing to take on some work to improve it. And then the opposite of that is true. If, if, if the area is 
you know, in poor shape, we're not going to buy a property that we're, we're going to completely remodel because we're not going to get a lot of value from that. That's great. That's great. Yeah. All right, last question. What do you think are the biggest differences uh, for... Uh, I'm going to tweak the, the question a little bit. What do you think are the biggest differences from a new investor perspective between single family and small multifamilies? Yeah, so I think the biggest difference is what Brandon has said on the webinars is definitely true, where multifamilies have a lot more handholding with the tenants. You typically are going to get more calls. You're going to have to do more work wrangling the tenants. You're things tend to break more because you have a bigger building. Uh, The benefit of that is I think you can add a lot more value uh, to a multifamily property. And then a lot of your major repairs like roofs and things like that are um, consolidated into a smaller space. Um, So you will have a little bit more overhead in terms of of work, I think, with a a smaller multifamily. But I I think that work will translate into value if you you buy a good, good property. Fair enough. Cool. Cool, cool. All right. Um, let's see. Let's move on to the last segment of the show, the Famous Four. Famous Four. All right. These questions are asked of every single guest. So let's see what you got to say. Number one, what is your favorite real estate related book? So I, I thought about a lot about this one. I'm going to give folks uh, one uh, that's not named very often. It's called uh, Investing in Apartment Buildings by Matthew Martinez. Okay. Um. I really like that book. I think it doesn't try to sell you a formula and instead really focuses on the numbers you need to look for, how you add value to apartment complexes. And I found it to be a great read. And it's, it's really what made us focus long-term on apartment buildings. Okay. Um, so I definitely recommend checking that one out. Also, all the classics and you know, investing in uh, our millionaire real estate investor is, is also a fantastic book for someone who doesn't have any exposure to, to real estate as well. Cool. Perfect. All right. Favorite business book. So I'm going to have to go with a four hour work week just because of what it did for me personally. I was in Houston working in a big four accounting firm. Tim Ferriss is the author of that, really found his blog and his books. He was real big on lifestyle design and improving your life. Um, and so fast forward a few years and instead of being you know an accountant and Houston, uh, doing normal work. I'm, you know, in the Bay Area, uh, living a pretty, pretty good life and and loving my job. And so, uh, that book was just really influential for me personally, and and being able to, you know, go from a, a starting point, and this is how you get better at everything. Um, and and so I, I'll recommend that book. Great. Right what great do you book. do for fun? So, um, what I do for fun? So. Uh, I, I am sort of a geek, so I do play games with my uh, friends online sometimes. Um, I barbecue. I enjoy that. Barbecue here is horrible and very expensive. And being from Texas, <laughs> never done it before, but I was like, I'm going to teach myself how to barbecue. And so that's, that's, awesome. become, <laughs> that's become a hobby. Um, we, try to, we try to hike when we can. Um, we have a, new, a daughter that was born last August, and so uh, she's a handful uh, for us. And uh, yeah, that that occupies most of our time. Oh, sounds cool. great. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do question three and a half here. I'm curious how many. I want to ask this on. Try to start asking some more podcasts. How many hours a week do you say you work? I'm gonna ask two parts. How many hours a week do you say you work at your real estate? And how many hours a week mm-hmm. do you say you work at at Google? So I work at at real estate. I would say it. It's hard to say because there's so many questions that come in throughout the day and stuff like that. We have a few people that help us for, they're not employees, but they help us a little bit 
and we're dealing with questions all the time. But I would say maybe four to six hours uh, when I close the books at, at month end. That takes time as well. But it, it's always occupying my mind. I'm thinking about things. Sure. Um, Google varies as well. Uh, I think one of the benefits is you don't have to be at work per se in a in a building in a chair, but you do have to be. You're expected to output product. So uh, there's been weeks where I've had 40 hour weeks, and then there's been weeks where I've had you know 80 to 100 hour weeks, and I'd say I probably average you know 50 to 60 uh, depending on on the work. Uh, but I just changed positions as well, and so I've, I've had a little little more uh, work this week. But like I said, it's I really enjoy working with engineers. It's a cool place to be, and you know I I, I definitely have uh, nothing nothing but positive things to say about it. It's been great for me. Yeah, awesome. awesome. I, I ask that because like again, a lot of people say, "Oh, well, I can't invest in real estate because I work a full time job," and mm. I know that you know working in the tech world, it's a pretty time intensive task generally. I mean, it might be a little more flexible, but you work a lot of hours. And so people have no excuse after hearing your, your podcast, they have no excuse not to go out and do something. Yeah. And, and that's why I definitely recommend the podcast to folks is because I guarantee you, you know, I'm a guy that's coming in. I had been saving money. I invested, but you'll also find people that have full-time jobs that didn't have a lot of money when they, they get started, or you'll find people that decided they wanted to make a career out of it. There are thousands and thousands of ways to get involved in this space if you're passionate about it. And bigger pockets is basically all use cases for how to make real estate work for you. And and so that's why I can't recommend it enough because everyone's story is different and it's inspiring and listening to them will remind you to do things within your own business. Uh, if I had not been listening to the podcast, I wouldn't have got that deal over 11 months because that podcast would remind me to call that agent about that deal frequently. Um, yeah. And then I wouldn't have met either you know the investor that we've invested with uh Sharon who's been a great uh, agent for us so we we've, we've really built this team out of this uh community and it it's it's grown us uh from from our zero to to 25 units so I love it. Nice. That's awesome. And by the way, Sharon is an awesome lady. She actually edited uh, was one of the editors on the book on investing in real estate with no one low money down. So just give her a little shout out there. And I I never had, knew how to say her last name. Was it Zib you said? I, I say Z, but okay, she, she's probably listening and telling us that we're all saying <laughs> it wrong. Probably it's T what T Z I B. Yeah. T Z I B, yeah. Yeah. She's um, awesome. So. But I would say if you're a new real estate investor investing in in the Houston market, she's I have worked or reached out to seven or eight uh real estate agents and she is better than all of them probably combined. Like nice. she follows up she will work with the seller and say, you haven't sent me the expenses for these items and we're not closing until you get them for me. So I can work with her on a deal and I don't have to do all of that. And she saved me hours and hours of time. And like I said, we wouldn't have gotten our 14 unit without her presenting a professional package to that investor. So um, yeah, I can't I recommend, recommend her enough. And she goes above and beyond uh, any other real estate investor that I've worked with. Yeah, so I love it. That's just one more go. reason people should be interacted on BP. I mean, if you are an agent on, you know, a real estate agent, interact on BP, get to know people. You'll find people like Kevin and start working with them and build your brand. So that's great. I love it. All right. My last question of the day, officially, what do you believe sets apart successful investors? And I'm going to even tweak this question a little bit. What made you different from those who are listening to this podcast, who have been talking, who have been listening to all 167 shows? And have still not taken action. They've not bought their first deal or the second deal. What made you different? What makes other investors different from those who give up, fail, or never get started? Yeah, I think 
for me, I'm always the guy that wants to read every single book on the topic and you just feel like you, you never know enough. And okay, I'll finally pull the trigger once I've learned everything. And, and honestly, for me listening to, again, the, when I listened to the, the Brian Burke podcast, it, it really, he was like, you have to get started, get started somewhere. And he said something that Josh hated, which was, uh, <laughs> I don't care if you have to, you know, use your credit card to put your down payment, get started. Uh. Uh, but for me, I had the, I had the money, but for me, that was saying, you know, once you find that, that yes in your numbers, you have to put your feet to the fire and execute on this. And, you know, taking action is, and, and listening to people that have done it made me comfortable enough to take action. And, and that's, that's really what pushed us along. And also I was, I was having a daughter. So it was like, are you going to wait till after your daughter's born to get started on this? Or are you going to, to pull the trigger? And so, um, yeah, you you have to take action once once you're comfortable with your market and with your deals. That's awesome. great. I love that's it. Great. And and I think that's the power of this medium, you know, the, the podcast being able to talk to somebody like you who in a year has done so much or I mean we we love doing those. We we don't do them enough, but the 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 shows where we have folks who've just done their first deal because you know, new investors, it's hard to to relate to maybe a Brian Burke or somebody who's, you know, got tens, hundreds, or thousands of deals. You you can't, but you can relate to that other guy or gal and and you know, it's it just may be the thing that kind of puts you over the edge. Um but that said, I've got my final question for you, which is where can people find out more about you? Where can they connect with you? Yeah, so uh, my bigger pockets profile is probably uh, the number one spot. We we do own a domain, but it doesn't have a website because uh, we're not doing any drum, direct mail or anything at this time. Um, yep. It's probably something we'll we'll move towards in the future. But uh, bigger pockets. Uh, my email's up there. Um, I think my my phone number even. So that's that's the best spot. Perfect. Cool, Kevin. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on. Congrats on all the success, and and uh, of course we'll see you back on Bigger Pockets. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's crazy that I that I'm on the show. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, look at you, nice, nicely done. Yeah. So, uh, thanks, guys. Thanks. I'm right, around. Take care. See you got guys. it. Bye. All right, guys. That was Kevin Wood from sunny Northern California. Not so sunny. I was gonna say, is it sunny over there? I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's sunnier it's than up. here. Yeah, yeah. Where I well, live, that's, it's... that's not hard. <laughs> that is not hard. That is not yeah. hard at all. But yeah, yeah. So great show. Uh, I mean. Very smart guy doing some really cool things, and and I'm I'm certainly impressed. And as we alluded to in the beginning, uh, you know he is in probably the most expensive area of the country to invest in real estate. He's working a full time job, and he's succeeding at building a portfolio. So yeah, to the naysayers, it can be done. Yep. Um, listen up again. Go through some other podcasts. Uh, we, we've talked to lots of people who are making it happen. Uh, you too can make it happen. There you go. Look at yep. that inspiration right there. You I too can make it happen. I want to see you on a poster saying that. You too can make it happen. Yes. Yes. Speaking Good. of posters. Speaking of posters. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't know I'm where you're transition. going with this. I, I don't either. But no, <laughs> uh, uh, Kevin talked about his job. And, and, and so I just wanted to take a second to, to talk about jobs. Uh, and, and Bigger Pockets is offering jobs uh, right now. We have five positions open. We are hiring. Um, and, you know, Kevin works at, at Google, which uh, we both have spoken at. Uh, we spoke at together. That was, that was a lot of fun. And, and 
Um, and ate I, their free lunch, which was we, nice. We did. We did. And and yeah, great company, big fan. We use Google for all sorts of stuff. That said, uh, but, we want to steal Google employees. So if we, you are we, a Google... <laughs> <laughs> no, but l- listen, like, I mean, we're, we're looking for a high-skilled people and there are high-skilled people at Google and elsewhere who don't want to work 50 to 60 hours like uh, like Kevin does and like... You know, thousands and thousands of people around the country are doing working at great companies, but you know, working really, really tough hours. And and uh, we have bigger pockets in the number one city in the country, according to U.S. News and World Report. Yes, Denver is the number one city in the country. For all you guys looking for a place to relocate, go somewhere else because uh, number yeah, one for bloody unless, no- unless you're going to come here and work for, for say, pockets. Unless you're, in the, I was going to say number one for bloody noses. I don't know what they rank number one for. Oh, but. stop whining. <laughs> Anyway, we are hiring. So, you know, come join us at Bigger Pockets. 40 hour work week is actually a 40 hour work week. And uh, come, uh, you know, come be a part of our team. You can apply today at biggerpockets.com slash jobs. And for all the Google folks and other uh, Facebook people that are listening that are looking to work less hours and work at a really cool company, changing lives, we're hiring. We're hiring for tech, uh, tech folks. So uh, check it out. And you get to hang out with Josh Dorkin. In Denver. I don't know what, if it's a benefit better, or... What better? <laughs> what better? I mean, you know, granted, I get sick of hanging out by myself after about five minutes, but... You yeah, know. you know, well, everyone else does too. It's okay. Let's close wow. this thing up. Wow. <laughs> you know, I enjoy working with you, Josh, okay, even if it's I was from 2,000 say, miles away. You know? I mean, jeez, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great, great, great place to be. Great yeah, place to be. It is. All right, guys. Well, listen... Definitely, definitely uh, sync up with Kevin. Um, check out the show notes, biggerpockets.com slash show 167. Make sure to check out the Bigger Pockets video, con- uh, video podcast, excuse me, uh, on iTunes. Uh, it, it's these shows, but in video form. Uh, so definitely check that out. We also have video form on, on YouTube. But uh, if you could jump on iTunes and leave us ratings and reviews on both the audio and video versions of the show, that would help us tremendously. Otherwise, jump on the forums, interact. I mean, I don't have to sell it. Kevin Kevin said it all. I mean, the, the site's amazing and you get to connect with guys like him. And, you know, if you're a newbie, he kind of gave you the formula for, for how to how to get things going. So uh, make it happen and let's get you out of here. So I'm Josh Dorkin signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Thanks for, uh, what do I usually say? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Let's try that again. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam! Instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today.
The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.